don't feel like this is a service that is just status quo. I feel like God's here to do a great work tonight. Whatever you came needing, I believe and I confess with my mouth that your answer is in this place tonight. There's a miracle in this place. More than one. Amen. I'm so glad for the opportunity to gather with God's people in his house. Always considered a great privilege. And I'm thankful for this church. And I want to say congratulations to Brother Derek Hayes, who received his ministerial license this past week. Completed all of his studies and met the Florida District Board of Ministers, and I'm so happy for him. And you don't have to have a a minister's license to minister. Some people think they have to have a license and then they can start ministering. Actually, it's the opposite. The license comes as the overflow of a person who's already been ministering. Certainly, Brother Derek Hayes is a worshiper, and he is a prayer warrior. Prayed, I don't know how many hundreds of people through the Holy Ghost, and we love him and his family very much, and we're so happy for them. Amen. Thankful for all of the the men and women in this church that have um, just put it in their hearts and minds to be ministers of the gospel. I don't think there's anything greater that you can do with your life. And I'll go one step further. There's nothing more powerful that ever come out of your mouth than the Word of God. A lot of people have opinions, but the Word of God is what changes lives. So I'm thankful for that, thankful for a good God. I turn your attention tonight to the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, one of my favorite books in the whole Bible, favorite chapters. Romans 8 reads almost like a symphony as it, it works its way through the highs and lows of Paul's transparency and then ends with this this crescendo that he is persuaded. He is convinced. Talks in the seventh chapter about some of the struggles of his flesh. And then as he makes his way through chapter eight, the description of what it is to live in the spirit of God, life in the spirit goes through a history lesson of God's dealing with the Jews and and Abraham and faith and all that transforms from that. But then he starts to talk about who we are in Christ. He hath called us, justified us. He has called us into this royal family. And it says in verse 32, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Verse 35. Who can separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness 
or peril or sword. As it is written, as it is established, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, well, you can feel that something rising up in his spirit. In all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It seems like that's where I can hear the timpani going and the cymbals clashing and the orchestra crescendoing to this, this precipice of victory that we have in Jesus. Nothing can separate me. Woo. I'm under no illusions tonight that I'm going to reach everybody. But if I just can reach a few people, it will change the landscape of our church culture. I want to speak tonight on this, on this thought, an apostolic attitude. An apostolic attitude. Would you throw your hands in the air right now? Would you lift up your voice like a trumpet? And would you just declare the glory and the greatness of God? with a conviction and a determination that anything is possible in this house tonight. Oh, in the name of Jesus, we come against doubt, we come against fear, we rebuke it out of this house in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm asking you to release the power of your spirit from the north to the south, from the east to the west. Pour out your Holy Ghost Spirit, O God. Give us courage to respond to it. In the name of Jesus Christ. Everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. I, I tried to think at the very onset of this message of an example that... I could give you so that you would know exactly what I'm referring to when I talk about an apostolic attitude. Now I'm going to give you several examples of the apostles as they acted upon this attitude that they had. But I wanted to illustrate something to you that would give you an indication of what we're talking about when we say an apostolic attitude. And the thing that, that registered in my mind is a belief, a confidence, an assuredness, an audacity that some professional sports athletes have. That if the game is on the line, they want the ball. They believe that the best chance their team has of winning is if they, they are in possession of the ball as the seconds tick off the clock. I tried to think of how to illustrate that. I, 
personally did not have a lot of personal experience, certainly uh, not in the field of basketball. I, I did not grow up in Florida playing basketball. I, I enjoyed playing football and a little bit of baseball. But when I got into college in Minnesota, they played a lot of basketball because it was an indoor sport. And in Minnesota, you either play basketball or hockey. I tried to play hockey and broke my ankle on the very first game and was on crutches for eight weeks. So the next thing was basketball. And I remember that when they would pass me the basketball, I did not have an apostolic attitude. I had a scared-for-my-life attitude. And as soon as they would pass me the ball, within a split second of me having my hands on the ball, I was looking for somebody to pass it to. The only thing I wanted to do was just be the conduit that the ball passed from me to somebody else who knew what they were doing. Because if it wasn't obvious to everyone else, it certainly was to me that there was a good chance I would mess it up. And the enemy wants you and I as Christians to operate with the same kind of fear. That if something spiritual is put in our hands, we immediately want to pass it off. Oh, I could never pray somebody through the Holy No, I could never teach a Bible study. No, I could never stand up in front of them. No, I could never stand for truth in my school. Oh, there's no way I could ever. And we want to live our life passing the ball to somebody else. But there are some people, like Michael Jordan. I wanted to title this tonight, Be Like Mike. But the only problem is, there's a whole bunch of things about him I don't want to be like. So I couldn't use that title. But they say, and I've never met him, but I know he's considered one of the greatest, if not the greatest basketball player of all time. They say that he wanted the ball. If the game was on the line, if he could get his hands on the ball, he believed with all of his heart that he could win the game. And most of the time he did. Because he believed that. I'm convinced with all of my heart, ladies and gentlemen, that God is raising up a generation of apostolics. That it say, if I can just get on my knees and pray about it, God is going to hear my cry. Ladies and gentlemen, we can live our life passing the ball or we can live our life saying, give me the ball. We can say, I'm going to be a believer that if I can just touch the throne of grace, God is going to do something supernatural. I believe that God is in this place. And if I can get my hands in the air and begin to worship God, God is going to do something that is supernatural. I believe with all of my heart that this apostolic attitude that the Word of God makes it clear that these men that we, we look to in Scripture, many of them in the book of Acts, that they had this attitude. They were persuaded. That's, that's why I love that word, pers- persuaded. They didn't have to have anybody pump them up. 
Paul said, I am persuaded. All by myself, I believe. I don't have to have the choir singing. I don't have to have the band playing. I am persuaded that nothing can separate me from the love of God. Oh, hallelujah. And when the enemy throws all kind of obstacles at you, when there's all kind of giants in your way, you got to have an attitude like David that said, Oh, I come to you in the name of the Lord, and He's going to give me the victory. Not because of my strength, not because of who we are, but because we are persuaded. Paul had this firm belief that nothing could stop him. Nothing could come between him and his Lord. He was convinced. I believe that we're moving into a season, ladies and gentlemen, that the days of wondering whether or not we can make it are over. I said the days of wondering whether or not we can make it are over. I've heard people say, oh, I'm just... Just praying that I don't fail God. Every day I get up and I just pray that I don't fail God. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you don't have to pray that you don't fail God as if something's going to come on you and you're not going to be able to do anything with it. You ought to get up every day and say, Lord, I thank you that today I'm going to serve you. Let me say it another way. There's nothing that can make you not serve God. There's no situation. There's no circumstance that can separate you from the love of God. For a man, a woman, a boy or girl to say, I'm going to serve the Lord no matter what comes in my path. No matter what I go through. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, the enemy, he can't knock you out and somehow get you to sin with your unconscious or something. you got to make up in your mind, I'm going to make it. I'm an overcomer. I'm going to get to the other side. I'm a believer. If everybody in my family quit serving God I'm still going to be a worshiper of God if everybody in my school decides they don't love God anymore and want to live like the devil I'm still going to stand for righteousness the time of uncertainty is past we are convinced we are persuaded I had it I, I got another thought too that maybe illustrates this and then we're going to get into this, the, some of the things the uh, apostles did. But here's another illustration. Have you guys ever been to a gated neighborhood where you didn't have the code but you waited for somebody that did? And then you tried to follow behind them one of the things is that if you can get now you may not have the necessary code to open the gate but once the gate is open and a car goes through if you lean into it if you get your vehicle into that eye whatever that electronic eye is that gate wants to shut it is trained to shut. It is programmed to shut. But if you can stick the nose of your car up in there, 
Sometimes it's when you're leaving a neighborhood. You don't have to have the code to leave, uh, but you got to get up in there close enough for the, for the gate to open. And, and when the car passes and the gate tries to close, uh, sometimes it takes a little bit of audacity because you gotta, you got to put your car up in the line of sight. And that gate's... And you like nose up in there. And, and it backs up. That's how you got to be. You got to be that way in the spirit. The enemy wants to shut you out and close you out from your blessing and try to take what your inheritance is and try to take your destiny. He wants to try to close, give you one closed door after another and tell you to get back in your box and get back in your pew and get back in your attitude of failure. You got to just lean in to the promises of God. You got to lean into the wind. You got to lean into what God said, I will do. And you got to get an attitude. This is where I belong. I'm a child of God. Paul had this attitude. He had an attitude that everybody else needed what he had. He didn't have an attitude of, well, everybody's got to work out their own salvation. We got to get rid of this mamsy pamsy attitude. This political correctness attitude that says we just do our own thing and don't bother nobody else. Paul didn't have that attitude. Paul had an attitude that everybody needed what he had. That's an apostolic attitude. Acts chapter 19, verses 2 through 6. He said to them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said unto him, we've not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. He said unto them, well, under what did were you baptized? You can almost hear the audacity in his questions. What are you talking about? What do you know? How were you baptized? Everybody ought to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And they said in the John's baptism, Paul said, well, you know, you got your baptism. I got my baptism. We all love the Lord. We're going to get there one way or another. That's not what Paul said. Paul had an apostolic attitude. Then said Paul, John barely baptized with the baptism of repentance. I'm glad you've been baptized, but that ain't the full gospel. Saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. You got to get an attitude that says, I know what it takes to be saved. I've been to the water. I've been baptized. I've been filled with the Spirit. There is no other way. There's only one path. There's only one God. There's only one plan of salvation. And you got to get an apostolic attitude that says, I don't apologize for it. In fact, I'm going to be an advocate for it. You got to say, I believe it is my responsibility to tell everybody what it takes to be saved. You think she'd have three of her friends from school sitting on the front row if she had an attitude that say, well, y'all just do whatever you want to do. I know I'm a crazy Christian. Y'all just uh, excuse me. No, uh, she's got her friends here on the front row because she told them, I got what you need. What would happen if about 50 or 100 young people in this church, college career, got an apostolic attitude? You could turn Palm Bay upside down. You could turn Melbourne upside down. You could turn Vieira upside down. Heritage high, Bayside high, Palm Bay high, Melbourne high, 
fear. All you need is somebody that gets an apostolic attitude. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. And so I'm not only not, not going to apologize. In fact, I believe it's my responsibility, my responsibility to tell everybody what it takes to be saved. When I was just a, a young boy in, I think, first or second grade, my family, my father pastored in Port St. Joe, a little town of about 3,000 people. That were, We were all up in the panhandle, a little town on the Gulf Coast. And my father pastored a church up there and I didn't know anything but church. I, that's all I knew. And uh, from the time I was two weeks old, I was going to church. Now, I don't remember two weeks old, but they tell me I didn't enjoy the service. <laughs> but they took me back anyhow. Who said we got to enjoy the truth doesn't have to be enjoyed. Truth just has to be embraced. So somewhere around the first or second grade, I was playing cards with a friend of mine that lived across the street. And I don't remember the conversation. I just remember that this boy's parents came and complained to my parents about it. And I said to my little friend, do you have the Holy Ghost? He said, I don't think so. I said, then you're going to hell. It's just the way it was from my little mind in first, second grade. You, you don't have the Holy Ghost? Well, you're going to hell then. I remember him looking at me and crying and running into his house. And for 50 plus years, we've been trying to find a way to sanitize it, to make it easy on people. I feel a spirit of, I don't know. An audacious attitude rising up in me. Maybe we got to get back to the, the faith of a child. That just simply says, you got to be saved or you're going to hell. Oh, pastor, we couldn't say that nowadays. Why not? You don't think that's what Paul said? That's what Peter said? They didn't try to serve you chocolate milk and milk toast. They just made it clear. You got to be saved. Oh, I'm praying for an apostolic attitude to get a hold of this generation that says I must be saved. I've got to be saved. I may or may not be rich. I may or may not have a job. I may or may not be successful in this life. But one thing I know, I will be saved. Paul had an attitude. That you were ignorant if you worshipped an idol. Yeah. See, that went over like a lead balloon right there, didn't it? Now, I know the word ignorant, we use it in a much, much more derogatory fashion in our culture. Ignorant basically means unlearned or unknowing. He told those folks, those we talked about this morning, those polished, professional professors 
of philosophy and literature. I've come to tell you something that you don't know. They thought they knew everything. He said, you got an idol over there that you ignorantly worship. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship. Him declare I unto you. And then he doesn't stop there. He goes on in the same chapter, in the same sermon, in the same location. And he says, in the times of this ignorance, God winked at. You think you're smart, don't you? God just winked at it, looked the other way. He thought, aren't they cute? Them little humans running around thinking they all this in a bag of chips. God winked at it. But now, the winking's all over. The looking the other way is all over. But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. God has been gracious and God has been merciful. But ladies and gentlemen, there is coming a season. There is coming a time. Uh, I believe it is now when God, uh, hallelujah, is going to state unequivocally. Uh, and he's looking for a people that's got an audacious audata- uh, audacity in their attitude. Uh, that says, I'm not afraid to proclaim it. And I'm going to speak it with everything that I've got. Uh, we must be saved. It's time to repent. It's time to get right with God. So let me just put it in today's vernacular. Let me just put it to you straight. If you give up on God over some drug, you're ignorant. If you give up on God because of some porno flick, you are ignorant. If you give up God for a bottle of Budweiser, you are ignorant. This will be one message you want to share with your friends. (laughs) If you give up God because of some girl that's carnal as a bed bug... You are ignorant. If you give up God because of some guy that's flattering you because he wants to sleep with you, you are ignorant. Don't you realize who you are? You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You've been bought with a price by the blood of Jesus. You better get an apostolic attitude. I belong to Jesus. She caught the rabbi. A guy comes along whispering sweet nothings and you throw away your virtue to get the attention of somebody. Oh my, that's ignorant. You got to say I have dedicated my life. My body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. I know the world wants to try to make fun of it. I know the world wants to try to somehow make it look like that you're some kind of of an idiot. I saw a, a, a documentary the other day talking about sports athletes. And uh, it was a, a 30-30 documentary at ESPN about a, a basketball player by the, by the name of A.C. Green. I think he used to play for the Los Angeles Lakers. And they talked about, the name of the program was The Iron Virgin. 
And they called him the Iron Man because he like played, I don't know, 4,000 games, never, never missed a game. But the program also focused uh, on the fact that he didn't go out partying with all the other guys. And they'd have all these groupies, I guess, that follow him around. And A.C. Green said, no, I wasn't raised that way. I don't believe in all of that. They said, well, you're playing basketball in Los Angeles now. You're going to get used to it. We're fixing to break you in, A.C. And he said, no, I don't think so. And went through his whole career and, and, and was a person that all the other basketball players didn't even think was possible. But I remember when they interviewed the general manager, a guy by the name of Jerry West, uh, he said this, and I'll never forget from that, the end of that program. It was just a few minutes of the program. It wasn't that long. But I remember him saying, he's one of the happiest people you'll ever meet. Thank God for somebody that'll tell the truth. The world wants to try to make fun of it. Who do you think you are? Trying to be some kind of Superman? Trying to think you're better than the rest of us? No, I'm just trying to walk according to the Word of God. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to walk according to the Word of God. Oh, my friend, if you put God first, God will bless you beyond your wildest imagination. you got to get an apostolic attitude. This is who I am. I don't care if you like it or don't like it. I don't care if you make fun of me or you don't make fun of me. you got to make up in your mind. i got a, I got a spirit that says I'm going to do what's right no matter what. I feel there's a, a, an, an, an authenticity with the apostolics that says I, I, I don't apologize for it. I, I'm seeking the things of God. I feel this rising up in this church where we, we got to get a confidence to say, I believe that God's going to do some miracles in this place. There's going to be some healings. I said, there's going to be some healings. Mm. There's something moving in this church that God is trying to get the congregation of East Wind uh, to start to operate in the Holy Ghost, uh, to start to minister to one another, uh, not to just stand back on the sidelines and, and let Brother Scott or Brother Derek or Brother Richie pray. Oh, no, but you're going to step into it. Come on. Somebody's got to put the nose of their car into the gate. Uh, somebody's got to go ahead and push into it. Come on. you got to lean into it. Uh, I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm talking about an audacity that says I can pray in Walmart. Uh, and God will move. Uh, I'm talking about an audacity that says I can go ahead uh, and go up into Starbucks uh, and pray in the name of Jesus Christ uh, and God will hear my prayer. I'm talking about an audacity that says uh, He is a God uh, of the highways and the byways. I gotta take the gospel to this world, but it won't happen. If you and I are just trying to pass the ball to somebody else, we got to say, give me the ball. Give me the ball of faith. Give me the ball of boldness. Give me the ball of courage. Give me the ball. I want to shoot. I want to believe. I want to step out in faith. Why should we only hear about these incredible miracles from missionaries of the foreign field? Why should we have to hear reports of Bangladesh and Zambia in the Amazon. Why can't it happen right here in Palm Bay? How many times are we going to keep on making excuses? Or are we going to say, I'm going to get an apostolic attitude? I'm going to tell you one thing you got to have. You, you've got to have an attitude that sin is wrong. I said, you've got to have an attitude that sin is wrong. This is what, this is what John the Baptist had. 
Mark 6, 18, for John had said unto Herod, it's not lawful. Now he's telling the king this. It's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. He took his brother's wife. And John the Baptist, a man standing up in there with that ate locusts and wild honey. And his garments were not linen and silk. They were camel's hair. That itches just thinking about it. And has the audacity to stand before King Herod and tell him, Hey, you ain't living right. Say what? Do you know I have the power to take your life? Guess what? You may have that power, but it doesn't change right from wrong. Sin's not right regardless of whose feathers it ruffles. Now, there's a reason why I say an apostolic attitude. Because I know that we can't go up to people and tell them, Hey, you're a sinner, you're going to split hell wide open. But if we have an attitude that's apostolic, and what it'll do is push us out of our comfort zone and say, I know you've been going through it, but I've got a friend, his name is Jesus, and he loves you and he cares about you. If you've got that attitude that sin is wrong, it'll push you out of your comfort zone. You won't just watch people prayed off to hell. You won't just watch people go by and live unrighteous lives. If you've got a chance to speak into their life, you'll speak into their life. You'll lean into the situation. You'll drive the car of your own testimony into the eye of that gate. And you'll say, hey, wait a second. Don't just shut this down. Just don't turn it off. Wait just a moment. Let me tell you about Jesus. I believe John was like that. I don't care if you boil me in oil. You still can't make something right that's not right. Put me on an island. God will deliver me. Because they did everything they could to get rid of John. And yet John just kept on living. You know why? Because he was a proclaimer of righteousness. And then had the audacity. When he was in prison... To send messengers to Jesus and say, are you the one that we should look for? Or do we look for another? Now John had spent his adult life preparing the way. Pain, circumstances can give you an audacious attitude that says, I've got to feel God. I've got to know this is the right way. And when the messengers came to Jesus with this report from John, it was a response of his humanity that said, I am in prison. I am on death row. And Jesus has the power to deliver me. Here's the, here's the thing about an apostolic attitude. It's what will keep you when everything is going bad around you. It doesn't seem like your prayers are getting past the ceiling. It just seems like everything is just, the more you pray, the more you seek after God, the more you try to do what's right, it seems like the more problems you face. And, and the enemy comes and starts whispering in your ear. If you've got an apostolic attitude, uh, you can push through all of that. 
And so he sent messengers. He didn't just give up. He sent messengers and said, ask Jesus, are you the one or should we look for another? And when the messengers came to Jesus, Jesus didn't rebuke them. He didn't say, you go and tell John, who do you think you are questioning me? He didn't say that. He said, you know what you tell him? You tell him the blind see. The deaf hear. The lame are raised again. You go ahead and tell them, hey, you've not wasted your life, John. But it was all meant to be. You may not see it in your own lifetime. But if you've got an apostolic attitude, you can keep on believing when everything around you is shouting for you to stop believing. You believe anyhow. When the doctor's report tells you to quit believing, you believe anyhow. When your family says you ought to curse God and die, you're like Job. You declare, though the Lord slay me, yet will I trust Him. you got to have an audacious attitude. Let me hurry. Peter and John had an attitude that said, you politicians can analyze it if you want. But we know what we're to do. Now watch this. Because our purpose is not popular opinion. you got to decide whether you want to be popular or do you want to be saved. Somebody said, well, I don't know why he or she's not saved. They're a good person. God's not coming back for good people. God's coming back for saved people. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. In other words, we aren't changing. We aren't changing. Come on, you apostolics. Uh, Y'all still believe in holiness standards? Uh, You need to get with the times. Come on, you'd have a lot bigger church. Uh, You'd have a bigger following. You'd have bigger offerings if you'd just go with the flow and adapt to the modern culture. But here's what you and I believe. Uh, We believe there are biblical principles that we live by. Not because we think we're better than everybody else. uh, But because we believe that God honors it. Uh, And so we got an apostolic attitude uh, that says I'm not living for God uh, based upon what you like or don't like about me. I've made up in my mind. If it pleases God, I'll do it. I need the favor of God. I don't need the favor of man. But if God is for me, who can be against me? Come on, stand to your feet all over this building. I feel it rising up in our spirit. I'm talking about an apostolic attitude of revival. Paul and Silas, we're in prison, but we're going to sing anyhow. You beat us in front of everybody. Now you want to release us out the back door while it's quiet. No, I don't think so. You put us in here publicly, you're going to release us publicly. I'm talking about an audacity, an apostolic attitude that says, I believe that the work that God has begun, he's going to see it through the end. I'm talking about an attitude like Paul said in Acts 27. You should have listened to what I told you because I'm flowing in the Holy Ghost. It's an attitude of boldness. It's an attitude of confidence. It's an attitude of faith. And I believe that God is asking each wind. 
to step up to the plate. Not to pass the ball to somebody else. Not to give it to somebody else. Not to say, well, he'll do it or she'll do it or they'll pray or they'll baptize or they'll teach the Bible. But somebody's going to step up and say, give me the ball. Give me the Bible. Give me the word. Give me the confidence, oh God. I believe it. I speak it. I declare it. And I'm asking for somebody to get an apostolic attitude tonight that says, I'm going to believe like never before. I'm going to worship like never before. I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall forever be in my mouth. I'm tired of living in fear and doubt and uncertainty. I'm coming out. Oh, you apostolics. When everybody else is shut down, you keep on having church. Don't you know somebody could get sick? I want to say, don't you know somebody could be healed? Don't you know the Bible said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Come on, somebody's going to live in fear, but somebody's going to live in boldness and says, this is the day, this is the moment, this is the hour. We're not waiting for somebody else. We're not looking for another generation. We're not waiting for something to happen that'll open up the gate. We're going to move up in the the line of sight right now and have that gate back up. Have that devil back up. You say, he won't do it for me, no. But if you operate in the Holy Ghost, if you declare the name of Jesus, if you're not afraid of what God is wanting to use you for, I've come to declare to you through the word of God that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Is there anybody in this building that's persuaded? I invite you to step out of where you're standing and come to this altar. Is there anybody in this place that's got an apostolic attitude that said, this is my hour right now. I'm not waiting for a more convenient season. Come on, I'm stepping out of where I'm at right now. I'm coming to this altar, and I'm coming with a determination. I'm not talking about just coming down here, just out of obedience or just out of some sort of a status quo as to what our church culture is. But I'm talking about making this trip to the altar with a determination in your spirit that I'm going to lean into my promises. Come on. I'm needing somebody that will lean into the promises. I'm not going to lean away from it. I'm going to lean in. Come on, I want the ball. Somebody give me the ball. Woo! Hallelujah. Give me a chance, Lord. Come on, Lord. I'll I'll declare your name. If you'll just allow me to meet somebody tomorrow or Tuesday or Wednesday or this week, I won't be afraid to witness, Lord. I'm going to lean into the wind. I'm going to lean into my promises. I wonder, is there anybody that's got an apostolic attitude in this place that'll begin to worship God like never before? Come on, I'm not afraid to stand for righteousness. I'm not afraid to be a worshiper of God. I'm not afraid of popular opinion. I'm made up in the mind. I am persuaded Give the name of Jesus In the end we shall be built And I'm afraid 
name of Jesus. Come on, that's it. Push, push, push.
Jesus. In the name of Jesus. To get an apostolic attitude, you got to get out of your comfort zone. I know we have a church culture, we have a traditions, but something has to break that tradition. You got to move and step into an area that you're not comfortable with. And to do that, you got to get bold. Now here's what I want us to do. I've been preaching about this for a few weeks now. We saw God honor this. I told you about some of the things I, I felt like the Lord spoke to us through our elders, Dr. Myers and Bishop Myers. But God is looking for the body to minister. So I want the young men to pray for the young men. I want the young ladies to pray for the young ladies. Come on, I want us men to pray for each other. I want us to pray for each other in our deaf ministry. I want us to find somebody and begin to put our hands on their head. I don't think we need music. I'm thankful for it. But I feel like we got to use our voice. And get out of our comfort zone. And get an apostolic attitude. That says, give me the ball. Give me the ball. Come on, give me the ball. Come on, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You're an overcomer in Jesus. That's it, get some boldness with your voice. That's it, begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. God didn't just give you the Holy Ghost to speak a heavenly language. He gave you the Holy Ghost to give you boldness. That's it, push. Push until you break through. In the name of Jesus. That's it, apostolics. That's it, apostolics. That's
Come on, I'm thankful for these holy huddles. But you got to get bold enough to pray one-on-one. Come on, you got to get right up in somebody's face and pray under the authority of the Holy Ghost. Come on, I come against sickness in the name of Jesus. Lean in. Come on, lean in. Lean in. I come against fear in the name of Jesus. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's it, Caleb. That's it. Pray one on one. We call to Rabo Sata Rabaha. Yes. In the name of Jesus. You're a vessel of the Holy Ghost. You're the anointed one of Israel. That's it, Brother Jenkins. Come on, we pray cancer out of Frank's body in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Power to walk right. Power to talk right. Power to think right.
your spirit, your love, your grace, your goodness, your leadership. In the name of Jesus, we ask it, Lord, and we believe in you with all of our heart and all of our soul. God, let your anointing, your presence, and power and spirit be upon them, God. God, bless God. In the name of Jesus, touch them, Lord. God, in the holy name of the Lord, in the holy name of the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Lord, touch these young ladies, God. Touch them, Jesus, with your presence, your spirit, your grace, your love, your direction in all things. God, we glorify you. We magnify your name. Oh, Lord, let your spirit be upon them, Lord. Give them your grace, God, and your goodness, kindness, and mercy, and leadership. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. God bless them, bless them, Jesus. Touch them. In the name of the Lord. Yes, 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 yes. Keep praying, keep praying. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus, Jesus, in your name. God bless these, Lord. Touch lives, touch hearts. Lord, in the name of Jesus, bless these brethren, bless these men. Yes, 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 yes. Reach out to him, reach out to him, reach out to him. Oh, Jesus, yes, yes, yes. God wants to use us. God wants to use us. God wants to use us. Yes, Hallelujah. Yes. Seek out. Reach out to him. Seek him. Oh, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, in your name, Jesus. Lord, in the name of Jesus, bless these brethren. Bless these men. Bless them, God. God, make them powerful in the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let us lay aside every weighted sin that does so easily beset us and run this race. Oh, Jesus, we love you. We love you. We love you. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Oh, blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, God, we glorify you, Lord. We magnify you. Touch these ladies, God. Oh, Lord, give your spirit in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, meet every need, touch every heart. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord's going to do it. The Lord's going to do it. The Lord's going to do it. Hallelujah. Reach out to him. God's going to do it. Oh, blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, we magnify you. We praise you, Jesus. 
We love your name, God. We exalt the name of Jesus as above every name. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes, yes. In the name of Jesus, God, we praise you, we praise you. Blessed be the name, hallelujah, Jesus. God, we praise you, Lord, we praise you. Hallelujah. 